0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. And we are starting a brand new adventure in the Word of God today. We're starting the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. So if you haven't read it yet, today we'll cover Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 31. And uh, and we just go verse by verse. So here we go. Isaiah is a long book. I think it's, what, 66 chapters, something like that. Uh, so it's pretty long. Uh, but we can do it. Uh, we can do it. Uh, again, it's amazing to me how much progress you make just going 10 minutes a day, you know, just a chapter or so a day. We will double up several times in, in our course of reading Isaiah because some of the chapters do sort of get repetitive. Some of them are short and we will just try to uh, uh, take a sizable bite each and every day so that we can feed on God's word together. Isaiah is exciting and I love it. I really wanted to come back to Isaiah because we just finished Kings, and I wanted to get you know to some of to some of this you know prophetic literature that sort of goes alongside you know the Chronicles of the Kings we're reading in First and Second Kings. So Isaiah begins in chapter one, verse one with sort of the title. Uh, these are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, not Am Amos, it's not the prophet Amos, but Amos. Uh, Concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Isaiah is considered probably the greatest of the writing prophets by writing prophets I mean Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah as opposed to prophets like Elijah who never wrote you understand so i don't i don't know if you can say the greatest i mean these are all servants of god and they all fulfill god's purposes you know for them so who's to say who's greatest but isaiah as far as writing is is uh, exemplary i mean it's just it's beautiful poetry also mixed with prose if you haven't read it all you're just going to love this I, isaiah is also known for having written uh, a history of King Uzziah, which I think is mentioned in Second Chronicles chapter um, 26, something like that, twenty-six twenty-two. 22. Uh, it's mentioned that he wrote a chronicle, you know, it's just a history of King Uzziah. So Isaiah is a very literate uh, uh, man, uh, very intelligent, uh, and very, very learned as far as, you know, what goes on in the politics and the life uh, of of the kingdom of Judah. Uh, most of what he writes, most everything is concerned with the southern kingdom, with, with Judah, uh, with uh, Jerusalem. And he says it right at the beginning. These are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. So that kind of dates it. It dates it because his calling is in the year that King Uzziah died, and we know that's around 740 BC. So Isaiah starts his ministry somewhere around 740 BC. We know that he was a contemporary of Amos and Hosea and, uh, and Micah, uh, so there are other prophets that overlap with him. Uh, tradition says that he died by being uh, sawn in half during the reign of uh, Manasseh. Uh, that's a sort of a unsubstantiated Jewish tradition, but it is Jewish tradition. We know from inside the book, we'll get to these parts, but we know from inside the book, Isaiah is married. He has two sons. He spends most of his life in ministry right in Jerusalem. As I said, the Southern Kingdom, and he has his greatest influence really under the reign of King Hezekiah. It says that these are the visions that he saw during Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. But, but it, generally, most of Isaiah, most of what he writes uh, in, in, that we're going to read is going to be concerned with the reigns of Ahaz and, uh, and Hezekiah. So most of it's in, in the reign of those two kings. So is that enough of just background to jump right in? Let's just jump right in. Chapter 1, in many ways, is a summary of, of, of what we're going to find throughout the book. Uh, gosh it's amazing listen oh heavens pay attention earth you know notice how the the word of the lord begins you know god begins by just summoning the universe you know to bear witness and and, and i love this it 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 underlines the importance of what god is about to say the smallness of of of, of people but but also just the the eternality You know, and the cosmic significance of of, of the word of the Lord, and I love it. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner. A donkey recognizes its master. But Israel doesn't know its master. It's just a a blistering. I mean, Isaiah just comes right out with this blistering word of the Lord. Um, Your head is injured. Your heart is sick. You're battered from head to foot. This is what God sees, and God sees everything. God sees everything. God knows everything. The problem is God sees us in a way that we usually don't see ourselves. You know, when he says your head is injured, your heart is sick, your evil people corrupt children, you know, they don't see themselves that way. They don't see themselves that way at all. And this is why the word of the Lord is often so hard for us to understand. The book of James says that that the word of God, you know, holds up a mirror. You know, and how foolish it is to to like see your face in the mirror, but not recognize what you look like. And 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 this is what is happening here. The word of the Lord comes to Isaiah and holds up a mirror in the faces of the people, and, and they don't see themselves that way at all. And, and and the amazing thing about chapter one for me is this is this contrast, this contrast between their injured heads and their sick hearts and the. The amazing pomp and 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 carnival atmosphere of the temple. I mean, the temple. I mean, if you go to the temple, you wouldn't know any of this stuff because I mean, they are on fire at the temple. I mean, they discovered multiple services a long time ago. I mean, there are multiple services. You know, when you come in between the services, like there's so many camels in a parking lot, people can't even find a place. You know, families rolling in. I mean, it is amazing. The music is breathtaking. You know, the priests are on it. sacrifices are just constantly the smoke of sins, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and everybody loves the temple. Everybody loves the temple. I mean, they love worship so much. I mean, you know, but, but then God continues his blistering evaluation of their worship, and he says, yeah, I hate your meetings. <laughs> Is this what you expect? I mean, all of it was for God, supposedly, right? I'm sick of it, the Lord says. I'm so tired of you people. I'm so sick of your offerings. I, I am so sick of it. Oh, I am fed up with your worship. Who, who do you think ever asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremonies? Stop it. Stop it, he says. Stop with the gifts. Stop with the celebrations. It's all sinful and false. I want no more of it. I am sick of your meeting. I mean, that, 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 is, uh, that is tough to hear. It's especially tough for a for a guy who plans worship for a living. I mean, it's you know is what I, I'm. I'm happy to be sitting in church right now, living a life here, right? And, and, and I guess you, it's hard to read chapter one without asking yourself, would would God say the same thing about us? I mean, it's hard for us to see ourselves, but God sees everything perfectly. If if He held the mirror up to our faces, would we even recognize ourselves? Because this is what Isaiah is doing this is what the prophet does he holds up a mirror to the people so they can see their true face and they're not going to like it because the Lord says, you make me sick I'm tired of it you make me tired weary of it now what's the problem? Well, what's the problem it's, it's what it says right there in verse 13 it's all sinful and false. you see the the fact is well, uh, the, the easiest thing in the world for us as worshipers to do is to fall in this habit of you know like like what happens at church stays at church. And this is what's happening here. They have all of this appearance of being godly, all this appearance of just loving the Lord with all their hearts and all their minds. But really, it's just all of their, you know, Sunday. I know it's the Sabbath, but I'm talking to us, right? I mean, most of us, you know, we love God on Sunday. And if you see, if you catch us on Sunday at the right hour, we're going to look good. But the problem is your life, life. You know, it's not just your church life; it's your life, life, and. And, and what you do at church on Sunday has to be in one piece with what you do with the other six days of the week. You understand? And this is what God is saying. This is why God is so fed up with their temple worship because it doesn't match up. It doesn't match up with what they do with the other six days of the week. And God says, I am sick of it. I am tired of it. No, Well, what's his point? I mean, the point is uh, it, your worship of God you know, coming into his presence, you know, aligning yourself with him to measure up their worship. What he says is, you know, he measures it by the test of the the stranger outside. What's good news for us here at the church ain't really good news until it becomes good news for the people out there. You know, the the outsiders in need, and and that's what God is saying. It's about the widows. It's about the orphans. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. God is saying you got to fight for people. You have to fight for people. You got to fight for those who were mistreated, fight for those who were forgotten, fight for the vulnerable, fight for those in need. You know, it is so hard for us to get it through our thick skulls that God doesn't just want us to parade through the aisles at church and singing hymns and, and saying our prayers and thinking that we're such good people. God says, I'm tired of that. You understand, God is outraged when people are mistreated. God is outraged when people are mistreated. And I'm talking about the people that you and I don't even see because we are so consumed with ourselves and consumed with our church life that we forget about our life life where real people hurt and real people suffer and real people are forgotten. And we don't see them, but God sees them. God sees them and God sees us. And God says, I am tired of you. It's just that. Outrage that you find in Isaiah chapter 1. God is outraged because people are hurting, people are suffering, and the people of God don't care. There are nine imperatives there in verses 16 and 17. Nine imperatives. In other words, nine things you gotta do. You understand? And they all line up with repentance and uh and injustice. And, and uh, so again, h- how how do you treat the stranger in need? How do you respond to the to to the person outside i mean the real measure of the effectiveness of last sunday's church service is how it's going to affect the way you live the other six days of the week understand uh there you go y'all ask for isaiah you're gonna get isaiah you know we all are and like i say it holds a mirror up to my face that i'm not really pleased to see Uh, so anyway pick up here tomorrow isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 22. did we come in hot i mean (laughs) isaiah comes in hot And we're going to follow God's word wherever it takes us. Tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, Lord willing, uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 22. I'll see you then. I love you guys.